The morning light shines bright and clear The sound of birds fall on my ear As I rise to face another day And even when the sun don't shine There's sunshine in this heart of mine Since the day he washed my sins away I remember the day Yes, I do the day he washed my sins away. So now when I begin the day, I ask the Lord to lead the way. And he always, he always does just what he says. He never leaves me all alone. He's placed within my heart this song. Now I sing to praise his holy name. I remember the day, yes I do, the day he washed my sins away. I thank you Lord, my soul was lost, he paid the cost. For all the wrong I've done And he set me free Then he rescued me By giving me The life of his son Oh, oh. One day the world will see his face When he reclaims the human race As his own And his glory will be seen He'll take me far beyond the sky I'll sing his praises by and by for the day he washed my sins away for i remember the day the day he washed my sins away thank you lord for washing my sins away I would still be lost if it wasn't for the cross Where he washed my sins away Thank you Lord For washing my sins away I was sinking fast, didn't think I would last, but he washed my sins away. Thank you, Lord, for washing my sins Thank you so much for that song reminding us that he does indeed wash our sins away. 
We don't have to carry the heavy burdens around with us like a sack of rocks all the time. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. That means all the time. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that reminder. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, good evening, everyone. It is really a privilege and an honor for me to be here with you this evening. I want to thank your pastor, Dr. Calvin Rock. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. This means a great deal to me personally. You see, Dr. Rock, you didn't know this, so you'll hear it for the first time. When I was at Oakwood, there was just a picture of him on the wall. When I got there, your time, I, I came three years after you left and moved on, but I heard so many things about you. And then when I came to this conference and learned that you were in the conference too, I said, wow, this is all right. And then to, to be able to come and worship with your flock, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I, I'm 39 years old, but I like to think I'm young in the ministry. Amen. Ask my son. He'll tell you something different, but he ain't here, so I can talk. But there are people that you look at and you want to try to be like and model yourself after. And, 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 and I started walking like you. <laughs> I figured it'll, it'll rub off that way. So we praise the Lord for your ministry as such and for the invitation. I was also instructed by the president of this conference, Elder Larry W. Unterseer, to give you his greetings. He was quite thrilled with my being here and he wanted you to know that uh, he sends his greetings and he's praying for the meetings and the regional coordinator Elder Kingsley Palmer sends his greetings as well. And there is one other person that sends her greetings, but right now she is at the Pilgrim's Rest Missionary Baptist Church doing a presentation for the ladies that attend that church, my wife Connie. She gets her hair done every week. That's nice. Amen. Because when her hair is done every week, she feels real good about herself. Hallelujah. And I believe in her feeling good about herself. Whatever the cost, it's worth it, trust me. So, <laughs> so she was there getting her hair done, and she regularly talks with her hairdresser and the other ladies about praying and the power of God and what he's done in our lives and and they just asked her well can you just come to our church for the ladies and and just do a presentation on this praying thing and and so by God's grace she should be finishing about 15 minutes but she she sends her greetings as well I have a son he's 13 some of you have seen him he's played for the Reno basketball team during convocation. Yeah, he was, yeah, I know you all won the trophy two years in a row. Amen. But there was one unstoppable force. You know who it is, David Solomon Hall Jr. Amen. 5'11", 143 pounds at age 13. My right hand man, my son. <laughs> we praise God praise God he sends his greetings as well he said dad you're going to that church isn't that the one that has all those ball players <clears throat> so he, he has a message for you he, he just said you'll, you'll catch it next year in Utah you'll see the message amen 
But if you have your Bibles, please join me in turning to the book of Genesis. And I'd like for us to consider verses one, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. During our time together, it is my goal to cover many of our 28 fundamental beliefs so that we can just rehash in a unique way those things that make us unique as a church. Genesis chapter 3, and I'd like us to look at verses 1 through 7. And I will read from the New King James Version of the Bible. It reads, starting with verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. I invite you to pray with me this evening as we talk on the topic. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Let us pray. Now, God, our Father, it's the first night. You know what we need. You know why we have come. And I believe that our desires are in concert with your will. You said in Proverbs 16, 3, that if we commit our plans to the Lord, they would be successful. Our plan is to be blessed. May that be actualized and realized tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. About 20 years ago, there was a hip-hop group known as Public Enemy. They came out with a song that dealt with political issues that were current 20 years ago. The refrain that pulsated from that hit was, don't believe the hype. No matter what the people say, don't believe the hype. No matter what they say, don't believe the hype. No matter what the writers may write about us, don't believe the hype. I'd like to suggest to you this evening that public enemies refrain certainly reigns true some 20 years later when we look and we see what the world has to offer and how cleverly Satan packages it all, I think we can say today, don't believe the hype. We are here in Las Vegas, the city that the world calls Sin City. I was in Australia preaching. They said in the introduction where I'm from and all of that, and people were not really, I guess they were blessed by the sermon. I hope they were. They seemed like it. But the question that they wanted to ask me more than anything else was, what is Las Vegas like? 
Can you tell us about it? Is it true all the things that we see? People are fascinated with this city and I used to wonder why. And then with my wife, amen, one Saturday night, she said, David, I want to see this certain part of this city called the Strip. My wife was with me, hallelujah. <laughs> and I made sure I held her hand despite everything that came my way. At some point, she just squeezed it. One point, she just hit me. I said, I didn't look at anything. She said, you were thinking about it. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking and man, I got hit. I said, wow. And after walking around, I could see why people would say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Thousands of people come here every day uh, by plane, train, and automobile to escape their woes, to enhance their fiscal uh, challenges, to deal with the loneliness that they may feel. Many save up for years just for a three-day jaunt in this city because it is seemingly the pantheon of all things fun and good. We're living in a time where everybody is looking for an excuse to do what they want to do. We're living in a time where everybody wants the green light to act according to their own will. We're living in an anytime, anything goes society. People just don't care anymore. And they don't want you to say anything about what they're doing either. We're living where people just don't care about anything anymore. Parents uh, uh, concocting a lie about their child being in a balloon floating all over the place just to get a reality show so we can get more money. People just don't care about stuff anymore. People believe the lie that the world is the thing that can satisfy that which itches you. And nowhere is that more evident than in our text for the evening. But before we get into that, I, I, I digress. Let's look at the history behind what our text is. Satan is in heaven and he's mad. He's mad because Jesus is getting all of the props. And the Godhead, they're the ones that everybody worships. Everybody says nice stuff about them. Have you ever been in a situation where they always say nice stuff about a certain person? And if you aren't careful, my car, it was November. This isn't part of my sermon, but I'm going to say it anyway. It was November 10th, 1994. My car leaked in five different places. It leaked oil, transmission fluid, brake fluid, antifreeze, and something else that I just forgot. <laughs> but it had five lines that would come under my car. My wife's father said, you don't have to park in our driveway. You can park in the street. <laughs> he was so kind. <laughs> and just walked to the house. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want them lines in his house, in his driveway. And I went to Walmart because that's my favorite store. I proposed at Walmart to my wife. Walmart is special to me. In the parking lot, I did. Yes, I did. That'll come out sometime this week, I'm sure. But I'm there, and my, 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 my car catches on. I go to start the car, and, and smoke starts coming from under the hood. So I lift the hood up, and there are flames coming from underneath my, hood, my car, my hood. I said, ah, my car is on fire. I don't know what you would do, but I just closed the hood. And I walked away from the car. I went inside Walmart and I said, hey, uh, Walmart, my car is on fire. Attention, Walmart. Shoppers, there is a car on fire. Poof, people just went out of there. Soon my car just stood alone. Until the fire department came and put it out. I went six days without a car. I liked my car. I proposed 
at Walmart in that car. I liked it. But the Lord opened up a door. And I got a off the, the, the trailer car that was brand new, unlike my 15-year-old car. Praise God. I pulled into work with my new car. Everything was fine when I had the old car. Everything was fine mm -hmm, when I had no car. But when I pulled up in a new car that had four miles on it when I got it, suddenly people started acting funny around me. I couldn't figure it out. They just didn't want to talk. They started looking at me funny. Then somebody said, you think you something, don't you? For getting my car caught on fire, I didn't think I was nothing then. When I was driving the 15-year-old leaking five places car, they, that was fine. The Lord bless you, you think you something, don't you? So we see if you're not careful and, 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 and others get all the, the pub, it can get you. Satan had a problem with all of that that the Godhead was getting. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Amen. He wanted to be God. And when things didn't work out for him being God, he had a little problem with that. And he saw this creation thing that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit was doing. Let us make man in our image. It seemed like they were having such a beautiful time. And in making man in his image, that means we're made in the image of God, which means we look like God. Satan got even more mad because that meant there would be more people looking like the one he couldn't stand. And so he, he made it his business to try to disrupt this. You know the story, six days, the first five days, God created all this stuff. And then on the sixth day, uh, according to Genesis 2 verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. And then in, in, in chapter 2, verse 18, we discover that after Adam names all the animals, has a good time with it, God had previously said everything was good, but for the first time in the history of the Bible, he says something is not good. I loved this text because it gave me hope. It is not good for man to be alone. I used to quote that thing through college. Said, Lord, in your word, you said it is not good. <laughs> Hallelujah. He heard my plea. And Lord, in verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, and Adam said, wait a minute, can you imagine what Adam thought? Because this woman was perfect in every way. Fresh from the hand of God. Can you imagine sleeping and then waking up seeing this in front of you? You think you're dreaming. You got to blink twice, pinch yourself. Wow. So I can imagine him saying this, you know, people read this and they say, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. I don't think he said it that way. I think Adam said, 
This is now bone of my bone. She looks like me. No more talking to the cat and dog anymore. And flesh of my flesh. Hey, I'm going to call her woman because she was taken out of man. I'm sure they were very, very, very excited once they got to see each other. Life was perfect. What else did they need? They had each other. They had dominion over the earth. They weren't lacking for anything. Yet, yet, there was a small level of dissatisfaction. They liked the song in High School Musical 3. Yes, I'm diversified. <laughs> that Sharpay and Ryan sang, I want it all. Because they wanted every, they wanted more, or Eve wanted more than what was hers. There's a story about a husband's store. Perhaps you've heard it. Somebody said, uh-oh. <laughs> that kind of illustrates what I mean. This story that I am telling, this is what, how it goes. A brand new store opened in New York City that sold husbands. When a woman wanted a husband, all they had to do was go to the husband's store and follow the instructions. This is what it said. You may visit this store only once. There are six floors, and the value of the product increases as you ascend the flights. You may choose any item from a particular floor, or you may choose to go up to the next floor, but you cannot go back down except to leave. <laughs> so this woman goes to this husband's store. She goes, first floor, the sign says, floor one, these men have jobs. <laughs> that is a criteria, but she feels she can do a little better than this, so she pushed number two in the elevator. The door opens, floor two, these men have jobs and love kids. Three, let's see what else there is. Floor three, these men have jobs, love kids, are ex and are extremely good looking. She is tempted to stop. <laughs> That's everything she's dreamed of. But somehow there was a tug in her spirit to push number four. Floor four, the sign says, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead good-looking, and they help with housework. She says, mercy. <laughs> I can't stand it. Yet, there is an urge within her. That number five is just saying, push me, push me, push me. And so she does. Floor five, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead gorgeous, help with housework, and have a very strong romantic streak. She thinks to herself, these men are perfect. It can't get better than this. Yet there is a tug in her spirit. And the number six says, push me. And so she does. And as the door opens, she sees no products. She sees a sign that says, you are visitor 31,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof to show that it is very hard to please a woman. Thank you for shopping at the husband's store. And she went away dejected and disappointed. Eve felt that way. 
She, she had it all. She had everything that you could imagine at her fingertips. She had perfection personified, yet it wasn't good enough for I believe that there are six schemes that we'll talk about in the next few moments that the devil used against Eve in the garden, which brought sin and death to the entire world. We need to examine these schemes of the serpent in order that we might be able to better guard our own hearts and minds against his attacks. Scheme number one that the devil will use to try to get you. Here it is, scheme one. Satan will question God's word. Satan will cause you to question God's word. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? God said what he said. He was quite clear in what he said. Eve knew what he said. She understood it. But the serpent tried two different tactics. He implied by his question that perhaps God misspoke. That's a term that we hear a lot. I, was, I misspoke or I was misquoted. Charles Barkley, 10 years ago, wrote an autobiography. He wrote the book about himself. Somebody quoted the book that he wrote about himself, and he said, I was misquoted. How do you misquote yourself? But perhaps God misspoke or was misquoted, or, or perhaps by that question, you didn't really understand what God meant. Satan questioned Eve as to whether she heard correctly in this passage. And then he begins to question by that question the goodness of God. If God really loved you, would he hold back something from you? As wonderful as this fruit. If God really loved you, why is he holding this thing back? And that's the kind of thinking that causes people to begin to rationalize. They think to themselves, well, uh, 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 God made everything. Everything is good, according to Genesis. He made the plants. So if I get something from the plants... The fruit of the vine, the herb of the field. If, every, if everything God created was good, and if it says a little wine is good for the stomach, then what's really wrong with what I'm doing? Or, or they say, God knows that things are a little tight this month. We were in a recession. And I know we give a little offering because these things cost light. They you know the lights cost money and all that. But we in a recession. So God will understand if I am put him on the payment plan. Now I know it says a tenth. But just this month I'll give him a wumph. And I'll, I'll catch up on the other nine-tenths in another month. God, under, I know, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. He can do that out of the next check. He really won't mind, will he? Or they say, uh, uh, watching this on my computer or on TV, or frequenting certain places just to sit and look. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I didn't touch nothing. I ain't do nothing. So how can you say I cheated on her? I didn't do anything with anybody. 
Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, that's old-timey stuff. I didn't do anything. God knows I have needs. He made me this way. God understands because God is love. Mm -hmm. Satan will cause you scheme number one to question God's word. Scheme two, Satan will deny God's word. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, here it is, here it is, here it is. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now she just read something, or she just said something. The next verse, to say, uh, Satan says, you're not going to die. If I do that, I'll die. No, you won't. There used to be a time when God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. There used to be a time when we actually believed that and lived that way. But now, anybody that thinks that way, something's wrong with you. All the movies that come out, they, all the church people always look like some kind of fanatic or some kind of nut. They always have them acting strange like they don't, they're against everything. In the church people, all they want you to do is not have fun in life. And that's the perception that the world is trying to put upon the church. And so that's causing people in the church to kind of waver in their God said it, I believe it, that settles it mentality. And when they start to waver, then those that they have the ability to influence start to waver. And we start disbelieving God's word. I'd like to suggest that we may even deny it. And then you see people saying, have unprotected sex. You won't get pregnant. Come on, let's do it. Drink and do drugs with me. You won't get addicted. And if that may not be you, here's one. I'm guilty of this one. I'm not really judging that person that came in the church. The Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. So I consider myself a fruit observer. I'm, <laughs> I'm not really judging what's wrong with them. I'm just looking to see, I just want to help them out. And sometimes, sometimes, we get so caught up in that. I went to a convention, a youth convention. It was non-denominational. I went to it. And I'm sitting there. And these people that don't worship on the Sabbath were there. It was non-denominational. I was like, okay, whatever. They were talking about Jesus. That was cool. I like Jesus. And then this dude comes in with this T-shirt, you know, with, with the little straps, one of those undershirts, you know, that have that certain name. Mm-hmm. I won't say it. And he had on shorts, and he had tattoos on, he had earrings all in his nose, his eyeballs it looked like, and he just rolled up in there, and I looked at his name tag, Elder Rock, and it had pastor on it, and I looked at this dude. I said to myself, pastor or what? Yes, I did. I was a fruit observer. Amen. And I looked at him, and in the midst of when they, I'm so busy looking at him that they had a time when you're supposed to just pray for the youth that you work with. This was seven years ago. I wasn't praying for my youth. I was looking at him. And I was shocked when he pulled out a scroll from his, I don't know where he pulled it from because he had no pockets. But he pulled out a scroll from them. Dude, what you doing? But he pulled out a scroll Rolled it out, and I looked down there, too, and it had names on it. And he started crying, and he was praying for every name 
on that list. And that parable that Jesus told, where he said there was a Pharisee and a publican. Lord, I'm glad I'm not like him. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I realized which one of the two I was. Satan causes us to deny God's word, even in our fruit observing. We, we need to stop saying worldly people. We need to, to understand how I'm saying this. We need to stop saying, I got the truth. Like it's something you want to knock somebody out with. We need to stop acting like soy milk and vegetarianism or veganism is the way to go. I have just become a vegan. Hallelujah. I lost 20 pounds. I am pleased with myself. I'm trying this thing. I'm trying it. The Lord said, David, you better do this because I got sick. So he has a way of working with you. So I'm trying it. But I'm not saying, you know, some people, they, they, they become these things. And they, they, I, was, I was in the grocery store and I bought some Fruit Loops. I like Fruit Loops. I call it one of the five fruit food groups. It's fruit and grain. So you put them together. Fruit Loops. Hallelujah. I was eating healthy. And this woman I bought because it was on sale. So I bought four boxes of it. I had to keep up with the sale, you know. Put them on the shelf for a rainy day. This woman came to my cart. She put my Fruit Loops back on the shelf. And she pulled out some grape nuts. And I'm like, you know how nasty that stuff is? And she, you put the milk on it and it just, ew. And she put that junk in my cart. If you want to lead God's young people, you need to eat healthier. I said, get thee behind me. <laughs> Thou speakest like a foolish woman. I was Job on her. Get out of here. We got to stop. <laughs> as though everything that we believe is so right that we boom, 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 we like Tyson beating somebody up with it. Because I'm right, you're wrong, that's all you need to know. God tells us that we don't need to judge. We need to stop denying what the text says and rationalizing ourselves as fruit observer. Scheme number three, Satan will substitute his own lie. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The third uh, uh, deception was, was his own lie. You will be like God. They were already created in the image and likeness of God. What more did they need? But he said, you will be like God. You see, that was his own ambition. He wanted to be God, and he played with that inside of them. He was a created being, but he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted those created beings to have the desire to be worshipped as well. And when we start believing that we are like God, when we start believing that we have all the answers that we can solve our own problems and issues without him, then we have tried to assume God's position. And we have tried becoming like God and in our own minds, we are God. Scheme four, we'll go quickly. Sometimes we subtract from God's word. The fourth deception that Satan used on Eve was that he fooled her into subtracting from God's word. In verse 2, Eve omitted the word freely. In Genesis 2.16, God said, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. She left that freely part out. We get the impression that Eve caught Satan's subtle suggestion. God is holding out on you. <laughs> 
When you start to question or forget the grace of God and the goodness of God, you find it much easier to disobey the will of God. Just as an example of how someone can subtract from God's word, they may be familiar with how the Bible says sin leads to death and hell. Then that person will ask a question, how can a loving God send someone to hell? I don't want anything to do with a God like that. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And that's where people stop. And they delete the second part. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here we see that God does love people. And it's his expressed desire that everyone is saved. But when people want to believe Satan's lies, they often forget or delete parts of God's word that hold them accountable. Scheme five, we add to God's word. The fifth deception that Satan used on Eve was that he fooled her into adding to God's word. We don't find the words, nor shall you touch it in God's command. As Eve said, he said in verse 3, not only did Eve make the original words less gracious by omitting the word freely, but she made the command more harsh by saying, he told us don't even touch it. And this last thing that Satan, the last scheme is, sometimes we change God's word. Genesis 3.3, she said, uh, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. But in Genesis 2.17, God said, for in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. God did not say you'll die right then, but the process would begin. Uh, when Satan said, you shall not surely die, he made the penalty for disobedience uh, not seem as harsh. Or the way Eve put it, it didn't seem as harsh. There's a danger when you begin to change God's word to fit the plans that you have. And when you fall for these schemes of Satan, as Eve did, when you believe the hype that the world has something to offer, when you have fallen for Satan's setup, which causes you to cover up with fig leaves, then it's time to pay up when God shows up and starts asking the questions. I was raised by my great-grandmother. She was 60 when I was born. And she, she just had this way. <laughs> she just had this way of keeping everyone in line. It was called her rifle. <laughs> she never had any trouble. And if rifle wasn't nearby, she always had a pistol and it had bullets in it. She just had a way. David, what did I tell you to do? Well, I don't feel like doing that right now. She told me to go outside and get the newspaper. I looked at her, I said, it's raining outside. She put a bullet in that pistol. What did I tell you to go do? Suddenly I had the urge to go outside and get wet. And I covered that and she said, that paper better not get wet either. I stuffed it every which way but loose. Brought the dry paper to, here you go, Grandma. Mm-hmm. And she started, didn't even say thank you to me. I the nerve. <laughs> but she gave me advice that I live by <laughs> to this day. One of the greatest persons I ever knew. She said, David, if you make your bed hard, you got to lie in it. And I apply that to this text, to our text for the evening. When we make incorrect decisions, we have to deal with the consequences when we believe the hype that Satan has, and we gotta deal with what comes with it.
I'm going to end with this. I saw this many years ago, and I thought it was a perfect way to end tonight. You may have heard this before, but it's a letter. It's called A Letter to You from Satan. Dear Christian, I saw you yesterday as you began your daily chores. You awoke without kneeling to pray. As a matter of fact, you didn't even bless your food or pray before going to bed last night. You are unthankful. I like that about you. I cannot tell you how glad I am that you have not changed your way of living. Fool, you are mine. Remember, you and I have been going steady for years, and I still don't love you. I don't even like you, and I never will. But you are too blind to believe that. As a matter of fact, I hate you. I hate you because you look like Jesus. And I hate him too. I'm only giving you all this hype. I'm only using you to get even with Jesus for defeating me on the cross. You see, God kicked me out of heaven. And I'm going to use you as long as possible to pay him back. You see, fool, Jesus loves you and he has great plans and blessings in store for you. But like a silly fool, you have yielded your life to me and I promise to make your life a living hell. That way we'll be together not just once, but twice. This will really hurt Jesus. Thanks to your weak self, I'm really showing Jesus who's boss in your life. You know what all the good times we have together? We've been telling dirty jokes, watching porn, cursing people, stealing, lying, fornicating, being hypocritical, gossiping, overeating, being judgmental, backstabbing, disrespecting adults and the ministers and leadership. We don't have any respect for the church, and we have nasty attitudes. Surely you don't want to give up all this good stuff, do you? Good. Because we can burn in hell together. I'm going to love your company. I got some hot plans for you. <laughs> so this is just a letter of appreciation from me to you. Thank you for letting me use you for most of your foolish life. You are so gullible. I laugh at you all the time. When you are tempted to sin, you always give in. <laughs> you make me sick. Sin is beginning to take its toll on your life, though. You look 20 years older. Now I need some fresh meat and new blood. So I need you to go teach some child to sin. All you have to do is smoke, get drunk, let them watch you so they can do that when they're underaged. Show them how to be selfish and do some gang banging and smoke a little weed and have sex outside of marriage. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. I want to thank you for promoting my music. You really helped me promote sex, drugs, violence, and anger for no apparent reason. It has helped cause the death rate of young people to quadruple. So there'll be more and more people going to hell thanks to you. Kids do the stuff that they see you doing. So thanks for your wonderful example. Well, fool, I'm going to let you go now. But I'll be back in a couple of seconds to tempt you again. If you were smart, you would run somewhere. Confess your sins, repent, and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and the Holy Ghost and hide the word of God in your heart. You'd put on the whole armor of God so that you'd be able to stand all the tricks that I'm going to play with you. If I were you, I would live for Jesus with that little bit of life you have left.
It's not really in my nature to warn anyone. But to be your age and to know all you know about God and still sin, that's a little ridiculous, don't you think? The numbers that'll be in hell with me is increasing fast due to the fact that more people like you are acting like Christians than being Christians. I have more fools like you who will continue to sit in churches and live like me. I like it when I sit in a dead church. And I, I feel comfortable uh, uh, living like a fool. Keep it up. And I'll be assured of sharing some hot times with you. Guess what? I'm tricking more and more people, more than I ever had before. Don't get me wrong. I still hate your guts. It's just, I think you'd make a better fool for Christ than you would for me. And the letter is signed, hate, not love. Hate, comma, Satan. Don't believe the hype that the world has because in believing that, you're in essence fulfilling what Satan would write in that letter. Recognize those six schemes of Satan. Accept the eternal life that is yours for the taking. And if you do that, man, mm, there's some stuff promised that the hype of this world cannot even touch. I don't want to believe the hype. I don't want to follow Satan. How about you? If you're in agreement with me, if you want to make a statement to, state to Satan right now, stand to your feet and as we pray, we're going to tell Satan we don't believe his hype. Father, in the name that is above every other name, we give you praise. We are grateful you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. Before anything was, you were able to say, I am, because you're the God of the past. You're the God of the present, and you're the God of the future. You alone are God. And nothing this world can offer can compare. For you said, I know the plans I have for you. But Lord, <laughs> Satan has plans too. And he wants to use us to get back at you. And he's making the tree, he's making the tree figuratively. All those things in our lives look so good. But Jesus, by standing to our feet right now, we are saying to the devil, we refuse. Ooh, we refuse to believe the hype. We refuse to believe what Satan has to offer. We call you out, Mr. Devil. We know what you're about. And we have chosen, even if we have to wait for it, we have chosen to accept that gift that you have, Jesus. We don't believe the hype. That's a thing of the past now. Come into us right now and clean us up so that we can be the kind of people that will encourage others not to believe the hype either. Now, Lord, we ask your blessing on all of us. Protect us as we come and go and then bring us back tomorrow according to your will with another message from on high. I commit us all to you, Father, in your care. Help us tonight to don't believe the hype. For we ask these favors and mercies in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We'll see you tomorrow morning.